Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com. My name is Abhishek and joining me to talk about this issue's cover is uh, the associate editor Meetu Jayashankar after a long time. Hi Meetu, welcome back. Hi Abhishek, good to be back. Thank you and we also have in a back-to-back podcast recording the principal correspondent NS Ramnath in the call from Bangalore. Hi Ramnath. Hi Abhishek. Uh, this issue's main story puts an IT company and its head on the cover and it's cognizant. So what's the story about? Just a bit of background. You know, this is, I think, the, our second large story on Cognizant. And a few years, we written one when Francisco had spent a couple of years being the CEO of the company. And we had detailed how he was trying to change the script at Cognizant. He, he had been handed a very good company by his predecessors. But, you know, he was taking the company in new directions. He had launched several new initiatives. This story is in continuation of the first one. And um, as we started sort of diving deeper into it and we started looking at Francisco's plan for Cognizant, we were pretty impressed because, as we all know, it's the fastest growing IT company now. It, it has overtaken Wipro. It's, it's within touching distance of Infosys. And most of the commentary on Cognizant is around that. But when we started talking to, to the leaders at Cognizant and, and spent time discussing the future with Francisco, we realized that, you know, he had something else in his mind, that he was looking at how to build a company for the future. And I mean, and, and that's, that's what our story is all about. Right. Where does the whole information technology industry as such stand today? For instance, back in the early 2000s, it was peaking and then in 2008, you had the investment banking industry, which just fell apart and it hurt the Indian IT sector. And then the recovery began. But now we are in 2012. So uh, how can we describe it, the conditions today? I think if you were looking for one word description, it would be tough. We've all seen over the last week what's happened to Infosys, how the stock has been hammered down, the uncertainty, the fear you know, that the management talks about. If you rewind to to what what was happening say around the year 2007-2008, I would say these have been the one of the most challenging sort of four or five years for the industry. So the pressures are, are on two sides. One is that the core business, which is a core outsourcing business, that itself is under a lot of pressure because clients want to cut costs and they're asking for more value on that. And the other is that there are these huge you know new technologies which are coming in which are going to disrupt the way we we look at enterprise IT. And 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 these are the twin pressures and. And if you read our story carefully, you'll, you'll know that, you know, and Francisco and his team talk about that, that this is going to be one of the largest disruptions ever. So they're, they're looking at uh, creating a new IT architecture. Nobody knows what that is, but it will have, you know, social, it will have mobile, it will have big data, things like that built into it. So this is really an inflection point. It's a transition point in the industry. And if companies and CEOs don't catch that in time, you know, this could have very serious consequences for the business. Right. Where is Cognizant in all of this? What is the company's focus? If you if you actually look at Cognizant, Infosys and Wipro and TCS were there long before Cognizant even came into the market. And uh, if you look at any business segment, you know, Cognizant kind of came late and gathered speed and in some cases even overtook the, the existing players. What really is different with Cognizant is that it is putting more force behind all these initiatives. The clearest indicator is uh, who is setting these initiatives. If you look at Infosys, it is Sanjay Purohit, I mean, who's not a CEO. But in case of Cognizant, you know, it is Francisco who is kind of driving all these new initiatives. What Ramnath pointed out is significant because if you look at the choices that Francisco is making today, I mean, unlike some of the other companies, his company is actually doing quite well. 
so for him the dilemma is whether you know he looks at which which is going by leaps and bounds or whether he takes time out of of managing that and and looks at the future now you know on a day to day basis this is a very difficult choice so do you meet the customers who are currently giving you a lot of business or do you focus your energies on building the next cognizant and this is where i think the, the story becomes very important because he has been able to take that tough call and and see i'm going to divide my time between both that's what makes this story so fascinating is it about focusing on a few technologies or focusing more on emerging markets for example or is it a bit of both every company is trying to do it so it's not like you know francisco is only one who has this this idea or or this paranoia about becoming redundant in the future so all of them are talking about emerging technologies and the and the way it's playing out in cognizant is that they've identified a new focus area called emerging business so within that they have all the emerging technologies which is cloud social and and mobile that is going to be one impact on on their business the other is new business models where they're trying to de-link the the revenue growth to head head count so so far the business has been pretty linear and the third bit is about looking at new emerging markets like latin america they're not present in those markets in a big way or new verticals like the government or the public sector so it's a combination of these three things and the idea is that each one of them will create newer pockets of growth for them and change the business right sometime back uh, ramnath you spoke about how francisco de souza he he is leading the charge could you tell us a bit about you know how he is, is he as a person in many ways he is very different from the ceos of uh, the rivals you know he is not like uh, chandrashekar and he is not like shibulal he is not like uh, kurian his father is a diplomat he was at indian foreign service and they have been going around from one country to another and when he was still 4 years old i think his father was posted somewhere in anama and instead of putting him in a international school he actually sent all his children to a local school and there they had to learn the local language which is spanish and i think he lived in 11 different countries went to seven or eight schools he did his undergraduation in hong kong then moved to us for his mba is a very international guy you know who can live simultaneously on multiple time zones so in that way he is different from many others you know if you really look at him he's very young and we were you did that in story also that you know his friends used to call him the kid so he's very boyish looking and clients are often surprised when somebody so young walks into meetings and also i think he combines uh, this whole orientation towards detail you know with, with a very uh, long term strategic thinking which is a rare breed in ceo so all in all a good combination and and every ceo like this you know he has a pet project that the whole company uh, you know looks towards so in in his case is there a pet project yeah i think when he became the ceo i think he was he had lots of conversations with with the board and his mentors that you know he wanted to kick start the consulting practice inside cognizant i think the idea was to really make clients see you as, as a partner and then not just as an outsourcer so and he went around building the consulting practice in some of the worst times and this was recessionary times when everybody was pulling back and cutting back on investments and he he made four five acquisitions he invested he got a guy from ati cardney so you know i think that was his big bet and and that seems to have played out well for them and and i think that given him the confidence to take on the the, the second part emerging business accelerators as we go forward right and and in your piece you also mentioned that cognizant has achieved so much in spite of being a late entrant how much of it has helped them and how much of it has gone against them yes they are actually a newcomer on the block if if you look at it like that but they've had the advantage of learning from other people's mistakes and, and, and correcting and fine tuning their model but 
you know, whether it's BPO, whether it's consulting, whether it's any new practice, whether it's going to Europe. But this time around, I think that the playing field is, is, is more level. Although Diprotesias and Infosys have started a little ahead of, of Cognizant in, in building some of these solutions that we talked about the emerging technologies, it's still untried and untested. So really, this time around, they'll have to make their own mistakes. Frank has to learn from his own mistakes rather than learning from other people's mistakes. And that will be very interesting to watch. So, you know, in the, in the context of emerging business, how differently does uh, Cognizant run its operations as compared to its peers? See, broadly, they divided their entire portfolio into three different buckets. I know the first one they put in, uh, put into the core business or the Horizon 1 business. And the second one, some of the businesses they got into the last five to seven years, uh, stuff like consulting, BPO, uh, infrastructure, uh, remote infrastructure management into the bucket two. And the third bucket, which is the emerging business, is what uh, Francisco is leading, you know, is completely in charge of. That business is structured like a venture capital business. So what they have done is they have kind of uh, looked inside the organization and also outside to hire or to pull in entrepreneurial leaders, the guys who are responsible for scaling a business from zero to thousand, for example. They got in these people, put them in charge. Under them, there are some 18 different businesses that are kind of uh, incubating. You know, Some of them have reached uh, some level of maturity, but broadly, they are all like startups within Cognizant. The way they are structured is different from the way Infosys has structured its emerging business. Yeah, I think the point that Ramnath is making is two things. One, they've created um, mini CEOs inside that group. So basically, so they've identified 18 new areas. Four or five people, you know, lead these 18 new areas. So which means there are mini CEOs reporting into each one of them. Each one of them holds a portfolio like a venture capital partner does. And the whole thing then reports back into Francisco. But the key difference here is that is, is when you talk about a business in, in the sense of a startup or, or, or more, in the more entrepreneurial sense, then questions about how do they raise funds, how do they go to market and all start coming about. And this is where what they've done is interesting. What they've done is that they've kept the existing business heads. They're also part of the board for two businesses. So it's not like that they're creating three different organizations. Once they link it back to business and, and that guy has a skin in the game, he has to fund these new ventures, he has to take it to market. It creates a more cohesive structure as, as well as making it entrepreneurial at the same time. And, and one, one final question is from your reporting and from your, the research that you've done for the story, where, how do you assess the company? Where is it going? And as compared to the, the big names that we all are aware of, how will Cognizant do in the next few years? We are, we are bad at crystal gazing. We are good at accounting for what has already happened. But I think the difference between Cognizant and others is also the business model. So while we always focus on the fast growth, we have to remember that, you know, their margins are lower than everybody else. The business is structured like that. Now, having said that, I think the energy that Francisco is bringing to and the thought that he's bringing to some of these emerging businesses is a huge advantage over its peers, I would say, at this stage in time. And given by what he's done in the past uh, chances are that they would make this successful too. However, we mustn't forget that all these technologies are, are still new. Nobody knows how long they're going to take to, to become mainstream. Nobody knows what the size of you know business they're going to bring forth and so on. So it, there is also a risk it's because Francisco is cutting back on his time that he's spending in existing business to invest in future business. Now, if these businesses don't take off the way he's thinking, then questions will be asked as to, you know, where, whether his time was well utilized. So it's a huge risk, but that's leadership and technology industries, I think, full of people who forgot that they had to take some calculated risks along the way also. That's right. Great. Thanks a lot, Mitu and uh, Ramna for your time.
Thank you, Abhishek. Great being on your show as always. Thank you. Listeners, you can find this podcast on uh, ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes, and you can subscribe to Forbes by messaging Forbes to five one eight one eight.